welcome to the Soul Revival Church Podcast. My name is Melissa Poisel, and my husband TJ and I are the lead pastors here at Soul Revival. Thank you so much for listening in. We pray that today's message is encouraging and inspiring. Man, how many people believe that today, that he's that good? Man, whatever obstacles we face and whatever we're up against, he's still that good. He's never going to let us down. He'll meet you in the middle of whatever you're facing, and he'll give you comfort and rest. And I believe that with all of my heart. God, I thank you that you are in this place today. I thank you that you are moving. God, I know you've got a plan. You've got something to say to somebody here today, Lord. I pray that you would continue to work in the hearts of all of us. I thank you that you are so good that you will never leave us or forsake us. And as we sang, Lord, that where we stand, where two or more gather in your name, there you are. And this is holy ground. God, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everybody. You can go ahead and say hi to some people. Maybe high five them. Air fist bump. And you can grab a seat. Thank you, Joe. Looking all tan. Guess what? That tomb's still empty. (laughs) For anybody who was with us last week, we got to mess around because they're doing the Adams family as a play here. And they built us a tomb. Didn't say Adams last week. So we got to point to it and know that it is empty because Jesus is alive. And he is risen. And today we celebrate it just like every day that we celebrate it. Because he's got a plan for our lives no matter what. Man, I'm feeling good. Anybody else? We got some warm weather for a couple days. And then 50 degrees again. That's okay. It's better than freezing, right? Well, we've been in a series called Mysteries Revealed. We paused last week for Easter, but... We were supposed to end it, but there's just too many great parables that Jesus shared that we couldn't stop. We couldn't stop yet. So mysteries revealed. So Jesus shared parables, if you haven't been able to join us to this point, which were stories to give us some insight into his kingdom, insight into ways that we can connect with him and the way that he wants to shape and inform our lives and for us to get to know him better in the way that we live and the way that we love. And he would do it with parables because it allowed him to share truth with people and people's hearts would be transformed. But if those who had hardened hearts, it wouldn't convict them too much to make them even run further from who he was. That's how good Jesus is, is he's got compassion and heart and mercy for all of us. And today, as we continue on, we're going to be in Matthew 7. But before we jump there, I always want to let people know. Like if you're a guest with us, or maybe you've been here before, but you look at a Bible and you get really intimidated by it. And there's no need to be. There's not a rule book about what you need to do in order for God to love you. This is not something that's going to make you feel condemned. The enemy tries to do that, not Jesus. But through his word, this is a love story about the God of the universe who created you and me because he wanted to live in eternity with us. But when he gave us free will and the decisions that we were able to make that sin entered into the world and separated us from him. So he's been coming back after us ever since. And it culminated with him sending Jesus to die for us. And now we get to look to his word to get to know him better. And in Matthew 7, I'm going to be in verses 
starting at 13. Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. If you're taking notes today, the title of this message is Narrow Escape. Narrow Escape. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for this morning. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak today, that you would help me get out of the way, whatever it is that you have to say, that it would speak through and penetrate the hearts and minds of those in this room, those online, and whoever might be watching it in the future. Because you are in all things and you are over all things. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I went to middle school at McKinley. Anybody know about McKinley Middle School? Well, yeah, shout out. Maybe we both went there. I love it. Uh, we lived in the Chicago suburbs for 10 years, though, after college before moving back. And when I moved back and found out that the middle school is no longer a middle school, I'm like, oh, man, it's Walden now? No offense to anybody who goes there or might know somebody who goes there. But I was like, man, that was McKinley. I lived like three blocks from it, and I went there all the time. And McKinley had this program called the Lighthouse Program. I got all these different programs, now I'm confused. Someone might need to help us and educate us because we have three boys in grade school. So when we need to decide which schools to sign up for, we can use your help, because it's different now. But people used to wait in line forever to get in the Lighthouse program. It was awesome. I wasn't in it. (laughs) But I went to the school that had the Lighthouse program, so because of that, I got to do some cool stuff. We had all kinds of different trips. Got to go to Washington, D.C., Shout out to my mom for making it happen to pay that $500 to go. Man, we had a rafting trip that was sweet. And then there was a cave trip. And I'm claustrophobic, but I'm like, hey, all my friends are going. Let's go on a cave trip in the middle of winter. Doesn't that sound cool? We'll bring our sleeping bags and sleep down in a cave. You could go 7th and 8th grade. I only went once. But as I was going through these different caves with my friends and we were navigating in these small crevices, we found one that's like, "Uh uh-oh, I don't know if we can fit. Like, can my head and shoulders fit? If so, I think we should do it. And my friends went ahead of me and they made it through and it, it seemed like forever. I couldn't even see them anymore. And then they shout back through the thing like, it's awesome in here. There's a big room. Come in. The light shines in the dark. And as I get up the courage to follow him, I'm like, nope, I'm not having this. I got my shoulders in there. I felt creeped out. I couldn't turn my head to look back behind me. But at that point, I had gone halfway through. And once I got halfway through my body, not through the tunnel, I couldn't turn around anymore. So for a few minutes, I panicked. But my friends were in there, so I had to play it cool. You ever have that happen? When you're freaking out in your mind, but you don't want anybody to know, so you're just like, I'm good. So I'm freaking out. I'm like, all right. I didn't know Jesus at the time. So I'm like, hey, if there's somebody up there, help me, please. And I finally make my way through. And as I get through this tiny little crevice and I break through to the other side, I'm like, oh, this is sweet. We got some glow sticks. We're just hanging out. A couple friends broke them open, put the stuff on their face. I wouldn't recommend it. They're scarred for life, literally. But as we hung out in this space, I'm like, man, this is awesome. 
And as I was praying over this scripture this week, as we're talking about a narrow gate and a broad gate and what leads to the kingdom of heaven, it reminded me of that moment. Because once we got into it, it was sweet. Some people just stayed in the big parts of the cave where you could just kind of walk and it was crowded and it wasn't really anything cool. Nobody had any great stories of their adventure afterwards. But as we found our way through it and we're like, whew, that was a narrow escape. We made it, but now we're in this awesome little, I don't even know what you call it, cave within a cave. And we're just chilling. And it was such a cool experience, but it required some courage to get there. It required some discomfort to get there. So if we go back to our verses from today, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. But I like how Jesus starts it, though. He just says, enter through the narrow gate. He's telling us all we have the ability to go through the narrow gate. We've been given access. We've been given that ability to go through it. But some of you are just feeling claustrophobic, like, Eh, that path over there looks a little bit easier. I don't like to get tight and uncomfortable. Especially if there's someone in front of me and behind me, like, man, they're in my bubble. Get out of my bubble. I need my me space. Nobody else feels that way ever? That's cool. <laughs> Kids coming up after you all the time, like, can I have this? Can I have this all up in my bubble? Like, let me get some space. But I want you to imagine these narrow gate and this broad gate through my vantage point for a minute, thinking about this small cave, because looking at this tiny little hole can be intimidating, and you might think, man, I don't want to do it. It's too scary. It's uncomfortable. I don't want to go there. I'd rather just go the way everybody else is going, because that just looks really easy. Anybody remember that easy button? That was easy. Right out of college, I used to sell advertising online, and we were on the phone, smile and dial, smile and dial. And anytime you got a sale, someone would hit the button. That was easy. It took like a month to get a sale. Like, that was not easy, okay? But we like to do the things that seem easy. We don't want to go through a struggle. We don't want to have to go up against that in our lives. But I'm telling you, there are moments within our life that the struggle is worth it. This parable and a couple others that we're going to run through today are the last things that Jesus shared on the Sermon on the Mount. As he was sharing with people about the kingdom of God, as he stood up on this mountaintop and he was sharing it to let people know, like, here's who I am and here's what I'm all about. These are the last things he wanted them to be left with. And he talks about this narrow gate. And as I was preparing, man, God continued to download things within my heart, and I was just like, thank you, God. Because I never looked at these different things in succession before as one story, but we get to do that together today. And when we think about a struggle and what that could look like, I want us to continue on in Matthew 7, 15 to 16. It says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. 
By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Now, what's this have to do with the narrow path? In some of your Bibles, if you've got them with you today, it might say that this is the true and false prophets. See, when you make a decision to follow Jesus and you say, I want to go through the narrow gate. I want to go where you are calling me to because I know the inside is so much better and the struggle will be worth it. You're going to go up against some stuff. False prophets can look different, too. There can be false prophets from a worldly perspective, people that are giving you wisdom, like Fox or CNN. I cover both ends, if you didn't notice. You might have a boss, you might have some friends, but they're speaking things into your life, and they're trying to lead you down the broad path, and you don't even realize it. Because there's some false prophets, some people out there that are speaking things that are not the truth of who God is and what he has in store for your life. But there are also false prophets, people that are actually loving Jesus or saying they love Jesus, but they're still pointing you in the wrong direction because they've got some things they're working on. It's not very often people would say, yep, I'm a wolf. That's why his verse is so impactful there, sheep in wolf's clothing. I said that backwards, didn't I? Thank you. Somebody was like, man, he just said it backwards. We're in this together. Appreciate the grace. Wolf in sheep's clothing. And they're like, man, I'm a sheep. I'm good. Doing all the right things and trying to point people in the right direction. But ultimately, man, their motives look different. The one thing that both of these false prophets have in common, whether it's those who say they love Jesus or those that really do not and are living a worldly life, is that selfishness is in the center of it. And as we follow Jesus, as we go down that narrow gate, we're going to struggle sometimes and we're going to be hit with different levels of adversity. But it's saying, all right, God, help me keep my eyes on you. Help me be selfless. Help me think about myself less and put me in contact with others that do the same. And Jesus has given us this warning in that moment, saying, hey, you're going to come up against some things. There's going to be some struggle when you choose the narrow gate. I promise you it's worth it. And he continues, likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. It's not Dr. Seuss, it's Jesus. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. By their fruit. See, the things that are coming out of your life, the impact you're having on the lives of those around you, you can be able to self-identify what the fruit is. What is good fruit? What is bad fruit? Because whether you believe it or not, you're all leaders. Leadership is influence. And it's how you influence people. So who are you being influenced by, those false prophets? But here's the challenge for us today. What if the struggle is when we're struggling with our own selfishness? 
What if we're the false prophets in our lives? Because when selfishness takes root within our lives and we start to look for the things that are going to benefit us and not God and his kingdom, we can get off track within our struggle. It's when we start to look at selfishness as, I deserve it. I'm supposed to get that. I'm supposed to have that. But when we go down the narrow path when we say Jesus that's the direction I'm going to go it's understanding we're all going to have struggles within our own flesh and blood we're going to struggle towards selfishness and selfishness can mask our desires as his desires of course this is what God would want because it's easier to come to grips with it that way But when you can acknowledge the fact that it's there, that there will be a struggle that you're facing, whether it's with other false prophets or moments when you yourself are saying, okay, what's the fruit in my life right now? Having that self-reflection, that's a good struggle to have. It's like when, when I was going through that narrow little tunnel in that cave, I was struggling. And I had to work a little bit harder to get through it. But the benefit on the other side, the benefit when I got into that cool little cave made it all worth it. The struggles that you face within your life, whether it's outside opposition looking like other people or that inward battle and struggle that you're having, it is all worth it. And when you can acknowledge the fact that you have that struggle, you're headed in the right direction. Some people that are struggling with that selfishness and they're just doing anything they want to do, they don't have a care in the world because it's not something that they're having any conviction about. But when you're making the conscious decision to say, I want to go down that narrow path, I want to follow Jesus to the narrow path because he's telling me I can live in his kingdom that way. Understanding the fact that you will face struggles of these kinds, it's a good thing. Because then you can work on it. You can continue to grow. You can continue to seek Jesus and say, help me, help me within my heart. Help me continue to look more like you and less like me because I don't want to have bad fruit. I want to have good fruit. You tracking with me? The second thing that's required to go through the narrow path is sacrifice. Sacrifice. See, I didn't tell you when I went through that cave, I also had a backpack with all my stuff in it. But in order to go through the cave, my backpack wouldn't fit. Some of you might be thinking, yeah, but if you had just put it ahead of you and pushed it. Remember, I was claustrophobic and I was freaking out. But I left my backpack behind. And I made my way through. And as I got there, I'd forgotten I even left my backpack. But there's things in our lives right now that we need to sacrifice, but we're like, man, I'm just trying to hold on to I want to go down the narrow gate, but I don't want to let go of that relationship. I want to go down that narrow path. I want to work my way through it, but it's too tight. I'm feeling claustrophobic, and I just can't let go of all these things holding me back into my past. I can't let go of it, but that sacrifice is worth it. And if we continue on in here in Matthew 7, 21, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is, heaven, who is in heaven. 
And what he's saying right now is it's not just saying Jesus is Lord, but living like it. Living like Jesus is at the center of your life means you're going to sacrifice some things. It's going to mean, you know what? I go to church on Sundays. So I can't go to the bar Saturday night. I'm sacrificing it. Or maybe it's like in your work schedule and you're like, I can still go and I still made it to church. That's cool. We want you to know we still want you here. There is no condemnation in Christ. I'll give you a coffee when you come in and hook you up with some donuts. And you can go home, take a nap after. But when you make that decision to want to go through the narrow gate, the sacrifices that you have to make are saying, all right, God, I want to live differently. I don't want to just say that Jesus is the center of my life. I want to actually live like it. So that means I've got to leave some stuff behind me. Might be some phone numbers you might have to delete and block in your phone. And I know you can unblock them just as easily. Fight the urge. It's worth it. Because when you find yourself back in that same place again, you're like, oh, did it again. But Jesus' grace is sufficient. Somebody needs to hear that today. Whatever you're up against, if you make the mistake of going back to where you were, you're not too far gone. You never are. Jesus will still meet you right there and say, hey, I'm here with you again. Let me pick you up and let's head back in that direction. Because repentance can sound like a bad word, like repentance, repent. And it's like, no, repentance just means to turn to the other direction. We talk about that a lot here because that's a word that's gotten a whole lot of negative connotation over time. And, and it's just a matter of turning around. Like, all right, I was headed in this direction. I need your help, Jesus, to go this direction. And he'll help you do it. The sacrifice is worth it. And saying, God, help me. Help me right now. And I don't want to just say Jesus is at the center of my life and then just keep on doing what I'm doing in the dark, quiet places of my life. Going to that website you know you shouldn't be going to. Think about it this way. Imagine Jesus is standing next to you in every decision you make in every place that you're at. Woo! Guess what? He is. Through his Holy Spirit, just because you can't see him visibly, I promise you, God is there. You know what's so cool about him? He doesn't think anything differently about you. His heart hurts because when you're hurting or doing things to hurt yourself and prevent yourself from living in the fullness that he has for you, his heart breaks. But there is no condemnation in Christ. Man, he's that good. Loving Jesus is more than Sunday attendance. The way I might say it is like, don't just talk about it, be about it. I say I love Jesus. I want my Monday through Saturday to look like it too. Put it on a t-shirt. But that's important because that's where transformation happens. The sacrifice, though, is not easy. It's not, it's not ideal in your current circumstances to say, I'm going to leave all that stuff behind. And I'm not speaking from a place where I don't know what that looks like. I didn't know Jesus until I was 22 years old. And I had to leave a lot of things behind me. And it was hard to have to do that. Relationships I had to cut off. 
But you know how awesome God is? He's reconnected a lot of those relationships, and I've gotten to see people accept Jesus. The sacrifice is worth it. And it's just asking him, help me look like you, Jesus. I want to live like it and not just say it. I want to be about my faith. He continues on in verses 22 to 23. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoer. That can feel really harsh, right? Like, wait, what, what just happened? I was trying to live like my faith. What's Jesus saying here? I was reminded of verses in 1 Corinthians. Most people know 1 Corinthians. Love is patient. Love is kind. You heard it at every wedding, right? The verses that come before it, though, are, I'm not going to say better, okay? No one's reading these at the wedding, but it sets up the rest of the scripture. So in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3, it says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. See, it's not just saying Jesus is Lord, but loving like it. See, we can live like it, but we first have to love like it. Love is the basis for everything. And when Jesus is saying, I never knew you, it's, it's the difference between a relationship with Jesus and religion. It's a difference between saying, Jesus, I want to spend my life with you. And my most favorite and intimate moments with you are when I'm alone and having a conversation with you. Or it's saying, I checked off all the boxes. Hey, Jesus, check out my dope resume. Do I get that promotion to heaven or what? Am I good? And he's letting them know, man, it's not about that. It's about me. Because all fall short. None of us are good enough. Not even one, only Jesus. In this Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus preached it to these people, he was basically saying, I'm setting everything straight and I'm creating a level playing field because no one can put themselves over anybody else and say, I'm better than you or I'm better than her or better than him. He's like, nope, you all fall short. But here I am, come to me and I'll give you rest. Come to me, you can get to me through that narrow gate. You can get to the kingdom of God through the narrow gate because I've got big things in store for you. And it might require a little struggle. It might require a little sacrifice, but it's worth it. Because ultimately, it's about a relationship. Jesus wants a relationship with you. And relationships require sacrifice. I'm going to be transparent with you. I started a new, 
I'm, I'm about to start a new routine. You can ask Melissa for the past month or two. Our kids wake up at like 5 a.m. Pray for us. So I told her, you know what? I feel like God's calling me to wake up at 4 a.m. so I can spend time with him every day. That's what I'm going to do. I fail probably six out of seven days of the week. I'm just being real with you. Because it's hard. 4 a.m. is hard. But on the days that I do it, when the days that I sacrifice to spend that time with Jesus first, I'm like, man, today was an awesome day. I'm like, oh yeah, today I actually did what I felt like the Holy Spirit was calling me to do. And I felt like I need to be vulnerable with you today because it's okay if you don't get it right all the time. And I pray that soon I'll be able to tell you I'm getting two days, then three days, then four days. And I'm only, my, my target is five, okay? I gave myself the weekends because then I've got all day, you know. Sunday, we're in church. We're in his word. But I think it's important that we reflect on where we actually are and say, all right, what sacrifices do I need to make to spend my time with Jesus? I love the Bible app. It's incredible. I'm in it every single day. Some of you have time hop and you have streaks of like 2,000 days in a row. You didn't miss your memories. Did you click on the Bible app? I'm not being mean either. I'm not, there's no condemnation in Christ, but the Holy Spirit could convict you in your heart. My wife's smiling because she's that 2,000 days in a row. Time hop. But I like it. The Bible will tell you your streak in the Bible app too. That's okay. Let that motivate you. Like, oh, I got to get in his word today. There's a verse of the day. And now they have videos there. You can click on it and the person will teach you about the verse of the day. So I would encourage you that when you wake up, before you click on Facebook, before you click on Instagram, before you get up, put on your makeup, do your hair, and try to do a TikTok video, <laughs> click the Bible app first. I put it on my first page. You know how you can swipe pages? I'm an Apple person. I don't know if the same thing goes for other devices, I would imagine so. Put it right front and center. Just click on it. Because that's the thing, too. You can't, like, when I, when I don't wake up at 4 a.m. and my kids wake me up at 5, I don't go, up. Oh, well, I'm just not going to read the Bible then. And it's easy for us to try to start something, and then when we fail on it, we just give up on it altogether. Like, nope, I'm not going to do it. You can still make the time for it. It might not be the amount of time you'd hope for because like any other relationship, the more time you spend with something or someone, the closer you get. Sacrifice. The last area that God revealed to me through this scripture is about structure. Structure. Matthew 7, 24 to 27. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. 
But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. The thing about these two houses is from the outside, they both look the same. From the outside, they both looked awesome. Had that perfect little landscape out there. Every Saturday out there with that little hedger going sideways, cutting it right across the grass, like on the sidewalk. How many people are that people? Yep, I knew, I knew you'd be that one, Joe. I'm not, I'm just like, I call it a weed whacker, you know, I don't call it a trimmer, you know, I don't even call it the right word, I'm just like, let me just get this done. But we want our houses to look nice, you might paint it, you might put up some decorations. You have this ideal to make sure that it looks nice. Check out my house. It looks the same as that house. Both of them, through this, through this scripture. They look the same on the outside. Anybody watch those uh, fixer-upper type shows? It's like, man, I got this house on a deal. And then they start breaking open walls, and it's like, oh, there's, the electrical wiring is from 1924. Got to change it all. $100,000. What? Some of us got our wires crossed, though, behind the walls. Or when it's like, man, look at how corroded this two-by-four is. That whole wing of the house just has to go. I'm like, what? No, man. Couldn't some duct tape fix that? See, but the structure matters. On the outside, it might have looked the same, but the structure, what's happening behind the wall, how is your life structured? How is it structured? You're like, you know, my... my my life structure just great. Got an awesome family, killing it at my job. My friends, man, love hanging out with them. That's where I want to be. Got this dope house. They check behind the walls and it's good. My vehicle, I'm riding clean. I paid off all of the car loans on them. My structure is awesome. But then a storm hits. I'm asking Naomi to come up. It's my first close. And the storm I'm talking about is, you know, maybe there's a fight within your marriage or your dating relationship. Like, man, I don't know if we can come back from this one. Or maybe your family that you're like, man, my structure was perfect, but a kid gets sick and you're like, oh, I don't know, I don't know, and you start freaking out. Or that car that was all the way paid off, now you're having problems with it and you take it to the shop and they're like, yeah, this, that, and the other thing, somehow it's $3,000 every time. Like, what? I just spent all my money to pay off this car, now I got nothing to pay for it. See, that life that you felt like you had the perfect structure for, you're now looking at and going, up. Oh, it's all out of whack, it's going down. The structure I'm talking about is a structure that needs to be built on a Savior. It is that foundation that we read about. It's having Jesus as your rock and your foundation. 
When you structure your life around Jesus, when you structure it that way, that is what he's sharing in this parable. Because you have to be on the right foundation so that when the storm comes, the house doesn't tip over, but there's also the structure of the home, the structure of your life. And really, it's about spending time with Jesus every day and not just one day. Saying, Jesus, I want to spend every day with you. What does that look like? Saying, you know what? I'm trying to pick this narrow gate. I'm trying to go down the narrow path. That's what my hope is. That's what my desire is. And I'm struggling, but I'm keeping hope. I've been sacrificing so much but it's still hard and I'm trying to structure my life around Jesus, but what does that look like? First thing I recommend is talk to him. Just talk to Jesus. That's what prayer is. Prayer is not intimidating. You don't have to think like, man, I don't have the right words to say. Talk to him. He cares about what you care about. So you can just open your heart and say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I'm struggling. I know you've called me into struggle. As we follow Jesus, that's one thing that we are guaranteed is to struggle, but the fact that he'll help us through it and you'll be stronger because of it. Because I might've struggled through that little cave, but once I got into the big one and it was like a dope hangout, it was like, yeah, that was worth the struggle. There is a struggle that's worth it. The sacrifice, the things that you leave behind to follow Jesus might be hard to let go of now, but in the future, I promise that you'll look back and go, man, why did I even think I needed that? Because I didn't. Because he had me. And having that structure by talking to Jesus, just having a conversation. But also get to know him. Get to know him. I mean, it was love at first sight for me with her. It wasn't in return. She had to get to know me. But she had to get to know a different me because she is the one who told me about this guy named Jesus that I didn't want any part of. But as I got to know Jesus and it transformed my life because I got to know him by reading his word. Don't be intimidated by the Bible. Open it up to the first four books. The four gospels means, gospel means good news. It's the good news about who Jesus is and what he did. Read about him. The people that society pushed aside, he met them in their brokenness. He brought healing and restoration. He gave a voice to people that the world told to be quiet. He loved people and met them in the middle of their brokenness. And that's who Jesus is. Take some time to get to know him. Let him structure your life and your house would be more magnificent than you could imagine. I want my story it's weird to say this. I want my story to look like struggle. 
I want my story to look like sacrifice because it's the greatest stories that you ever hear about have those things in common. And you know like when the hero just narrowly escapes death? Man, this path Jesus calls us on, it might be narrow, but I promise you that narrow escape is worth it because on the other side of it is the kingdom of God. On the other side of it is transformed hearts. We sang about chains falling and being broken off of us. That's what he offers us on the other side of it. Stepping into the kingdom of God is not about a final destination someday when you die. We can encounter his kingdom here and now. I know I narrowly escaped some stuff. But when I chose the struggle and I chose the sacrifice and I got to know Jesus more and I built my structure on his foundation, changed everything for me. Doesn't mean that there still aren't hard days. There still continues to be struggles. But when I can look to my savior, he'll meet me in it and he'll give me the strength to continue forward. He wants to do the same for you. So you might have been saying, yeah, I love Jesus. and He's my savior, which is incredible. We celebrate that every single week. And in a moment, we'll give you that opportunity to respond. But what we also say is when Jesus meets us where we're at and he loves us so much that he doesn't want to leave us there, when we turn to him and we get to know him and we talk to him and he builds up our faith and allows us to structure our lives differently and we follow him, there's more joy than anything else in this life. And then when he uses you through your sacrifice and your struggle to reach somebody else's life and you're like, wow, God did that through me. He's not looking for perfect people. He's looking for available people. So when you make yourself available as you follow him, you'll be surprised at what he does. But a story of a narrow escape. That's a story I want to hear about. You want to hear a story about, you know what? They got off the plane. They got in a the car. They got on the interstate. There was no traffic got to their destination, the end. That was funny to me because it's like real spiritual moment. You're like, wait, what is he saying? That's that broad road. Like that's that. You might hit a few bumps along the way on that too, because this world is broken that we live in. But when you choose Jesus and say, I want the narrow path and I want to follow you all of my days. And I want you to help me look more like you. And I'm making the decision to make my foundation on you, the solid rock, so that the winds blow and the storms come, I'm not knocked over, that I can stand strong because I've got you with me. I want that type of narrow escape. And if you're here and you're saying, yeah, but what does that even look like? Like talk to Jesus, all that, like where do I even start? God's word says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. It's making the decision to say, Jesus, I want you to be that foundation. I believe that you came and that you died for my sin. And I believe that you rose from the dead and now you're seated on high. I believe that because I can feel it in my heart. 
And it's turning to him, saying, all right, I want you to be the center of my life. I want to make it easy for you. If you wouldn't mind in this place, if you would close your eyes and bow your head, I'm going to count to three in a moment. And if that's you today and you say, yes, I want a relationship with Jesus. I believe that he died for me. On the count of three, I'm just going to ask if you would just shoot your hand in the air. One, you need to know that Jesus died for you. Two, just know that he will never leave you or forsake you. Whatever you go through, whatever challenges you're facing, he'll walk alongside you. He will help you through it. He is never going to leave you alone. And three, if that's you, would you shoot your hand in the air today? Would you be so bold to shoot your hand in the air? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can put them down. God, I thank you right now for every person that made that decision today, Lord. We praise you and we celebrate as all of heaven rejoices. And we thank you that you came and you died for us. We thank you that you rose again and now we get to live life with you. We're sorry for the mistakes we make. We're sorry for the ways that we go wrong, but we thank you that your grace is sufficient and that your mercy is new daily. God, we praise you in Jesus' name, amen. Can we celebrate everybody who made that decision? God is so good and he is working in your lives and it's not done. It's just getting started. Thank you for joining Soul Revival Church Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review us to help reach more people with the hope and love of Jesus. If you would like to support our ministry, you can visit us online at www.soulrevival.church.